Today's mailbag comes to us from Janine. Hello, Organized 365 team. I am writing to share my success story, small as it may be. My Sunday basket saved the day when it was time for me to reorder reeds for my son's saxophone for the first time since he started playing at the beginning of the school year. I was easily able to find the rental form, which included the information needed to purchase the right size reeds for his instrument. This would not have been the case before my Sunday basket. Thank you for making life easier one day at a time. Do you have an Organized 365 success story? If so, we would love to hear about it. Please send us an email at customerservice at Organized 365 and tell us how you have taken back your home, your paper, and your life with Organized 365. Welcome to the Organized 365 podcast. I'm your host, professional organizer, productivity expert, and motivational speaker, Lisa Woodruff. This podcast will help you embrace progress over perfection and create lasting functional organizing in your home. I have so much to share with you, so let's get started. The number one reason cited as to why people do not feel like they are more organized or they do not start getting organized is they don't know how to start. You don't know where to start. You don't know how long it's going to take. Something else always gets in the way. So getting started, getting started on your organizing journey is the hardest part. And to be honest, from 2020 to 2023, we actually had this little golden window bubble where getting started was a little bit easier because we just frankly were home more than we've ever been before 2020. And now in the fall of 2023 is when I noticed that the energy in my life had just shifted. I felt more overwhelmed. I was like, what is going on? What is going on? And all of a sudden I realized, oh, the hustle is back. Like everything's back in full force. Like everybody's, yep, COVID's over, back to the way we were you know, prior to COVID 2019 and before. Therefore, every organization that you're part of, every family member, anything that you'd put off, postponed, or done in some hybrid kind of way was now full on, all in person, back to traveling, back to all the school things. I would say I was noticing this in the fall. And then when we got to December, I could not believe how many random things we had to do for our grandson's daycare. I mean, it was was kind of this way when my kids were in school, but I've never heard of a holiday week before. If, If you don't have children or you don't know about this, apparently this is pretty common. The last week before winter break, like every single day has a different theme and you need to have clothes for these different themes. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of, by the way. Because every day there's like a theme. There was like a candy cane day. So you had to wear something that was a candy cane or red and white. There was a Santa Claus day. There was a the movie The Elf day. I'm like, so you're going out a Grinch day? You have to go out and buy clothes for your child to be dressed like everyone else that they'll never wear again. I was like, this is the biggest waste of money, waste of time, waste of energy For people who are obviously working because their children are in daycare, for them to do all these things, like 
We had that. Then we had breakfast with Santa, which was actually very nice because you got your picture taken with Santa. It was really fun. You got to meet all of the other parents. There were the teacher gifts of which we got their wish lists, which was actually helpful because then you got what you knew the teachers wanted. There was a performance. The two-year-old did not sing Jingle Bells, but he looked adorable. Uh, you had to take off for that. Uh, it was just like so many things for a two-year-old in daycare. First of all, did we learn nothing about, you know, how much better we felt in 2020, 2021, and 2022 when we had a little bit more margin? We had a little bit more time at home. We were able to be a little bit more in control of our schedule. Apparently not. Apparently not. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like my children were not in active or traveling sports. Uh, we're fairly certain that our grandson will be. The child does not sit still. He doesn't even like any toys. He just likes to run and jump. And he'll be in every sport known to me. We may never be home again. We may never be home again is what I've determined. And so when you're not at home and yet you feel like you're disorganized and you have a little itty bit of time, how do you use that? How do you get started? And that is the question that I've been wrestling with for the last six months. Really looking at customer service emails, listening to things that are coming through on social media, watching how people are, you know, implementing the tools that Organize 365 has to get you more organized, which will ultimately give you more time. But if you don't have any time, how do you get organized? You understand we're back to the same riddle we were in in 2019. So I thought, okay, Lisa, step out of organization. Look at other areas in your life where you have done this. How were you successful? How can we then apply that to getting our home organized? And there are two examples that I'll go to. One, my go-to right now is the PhD. And the reason why it's the PhD, not because anybody else should get a PhD or ooh la la, I'm getting a PhD, none of that. The reason why I keep going to the PhD is because that is the most recent, hardest thing that I have done personally. And every, you know, five, 10 years, I do something really hard or something new. And it helps me realize how I set and establish new habits and routines in my life. Prior to the PhD, it was becoming a grandmother. Prior to that, it was starting Organized 365. So when I think about the PhD, I had a desire to get a PhD. Why? Well, so that I could learn to speak the language of academia, so I could do a lot more research, so I could figure out where what we're doing in Organized 365 fits into the academic jigsaw puzzle, and so I could collaborate with other people who are doing research, so that we could move the discussion of home organization from a he said, she said, to a practical implementing, how do we actually see meaningful change inside of households where people, all people who live in that dwelling get their time back to do what they're uniquely created to do. Like that is why I decided to get a PhD. I was completely ineligible to get a PhD. I mean, just any way you look at it, like there was no way anybody was putting me in a PhD program. I have a degree in early childhood elementary from Miami University. I can teach preschool, kindergarten through eighth grade I have a teaching degree. I do not have a master's. I have been diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD at this point. So I have a lot of ideas and I like to verbally process, but writing them in a scientific way in an APA manner, like I didn't even know what APA style was. I turned in a resume for my CV because I didn't know there was a difference. So when I applied to get my PhD, obviously I was rejected. I mean, of course I was. I mean, who would, who would take me? No one. But luckily, at the university that I applied at, Fielding Graduate University, they had this post-baccalaureate program. 
And the post-baccalaureate program was basically, hey, if you really want to get a PhD, then there are some prerequisites. There are some things that you need to know how to do. Otherwise, even if we accept you, you're going to fail out or you're going to quit or you're like, it's not going to be worth it. It's going to be a waste of your money. And so I signed up for the post-baccalaureate program. The post-baccalaureate program is a one-year program. You take four classes. You're in a lab with a professor and you learn how to do research and you learn how to write an APA style. You learn how to um, do academic level work at the rigor that a PhD would require. And through those classes that you take, three of the four were not applicable for my PhD. They were master's level classes. In those classes, you make connections with professors who then are able to write you recommendations in order to get a PhD program. You have to have recommendations to get into a PhD program. I was like, great. So I asked like three friends to write me recommendations, like business owners. No, no. PhD programs could care less what you're doing in your business. They don't, they don't care if you have friends. They don't care if you've gotten awards. Like, no. <clears throat> they want to know what research you've done. And while I have done research, I wasn't the one orchestrating the research. So I needed to show that I could do academic level work to other academics who then would recommend me to the program and say, hey, yeah, we think that she'll actually not only start but finish her PhD program. And third, you need to have a transcript that's basically all A's. I didn't have that. <laughs> when I went to college, I did not get all A's. I mean, I think I had like a three point, I don't know, something. But until my senior year, I did not get all A's. So I didn't have a four point whatever, whatever. So this post-baccalaureate program also gives you a fresher, newer transcript to show like, hey, at the age of 50, <laughs> turns out I can get all A's when I apply myself. So this post-baccalaureate program, while one class did count towards my PhD, all of the other time that I spent in the post-baccalaureate program did not. But it made me ready for a PhD program. I started doing research during the post-baccalaureate program that I'm already working on that I'm saving for my dissertation. Or when I started my research practicum, I was ready to go because I'd already read hundreds of articles already in the area that I wanted to study in. And so sometimes if you don't jump right into the, the productive home solution, you could do something like a jumpstart that's like a post-baccalaureate program. And here's what you find when you do these starter courses. A lot of people in my cohort decided they really didn't want a PhD that bad. And that, that's, that's a valid conclusion. Like, there were a bunch of us that started the post-bac program, and some people left. They're like, you know what? I, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to spend the time. This isn't what I thought it was. That's okay. If you think that signing up for something and then realizing that's not actually what you want is not a good thing, it's you're just making decisions. Everything in life is just a, a decision, a step forward. Do you like that direction? No. Step back, go the other way. Pivot. Do like Life is about making forward process. It's not about knowing before you take the first step how it's all going to turn out. Another example of doing this getting started before I jump all the way in would be with my wellness. I am currently in the I don't know, research phase. I've been in a research phase for 50 years, but I went so far in my research phase of getting better wellness that I had someone come and follow me all day back in August and watch and then give me 
recommendations of ways in which I could add in movement. I could add in exercise. I could tweak what I'm eating so that it is more healthy to look at my supplements and make recommendations for additions or deletions in my supplements a whole day. And then the next day we debriefed on all of those things. And that was an investment in understanding where I was doing well and where I could have improvements. The problem was the timing wasn't right. So while the information was great, the person was great, the timing to implement a wellness routine, I mean, I can continue to make small modifications between now until the end of the PhD program. But to be honest, I can't do anything right now while I'm doing the PhD program. I can make some progress in the three breaks I have each year. But until I'm done, I'm not really going to make a lot of progress on anything else other than the PhD because the PhD is requiring all of my extra time so that I'm still a good wife, mother, grandmother, and CEO. You can't do everything all the time, but you can get started. Okay, so now back to you. You want to get organized. How do you get organized? How do you get all the way organized? So the research that I have done has been very informative and has really helped me to hone in on where I think the problems are, where people are getting stuck, how we're feeling in isolation in our homes where we can't really talk to other people about this. And I would say my perspective on my role in helping people achieve organization at home is just highlighting the fact that Basically, we all believe organization is a learnable skill. 87% in both of our research studies, 87, 86% believe organization is a learnable skill. Man, woman, doesn't matter. We, we believe this is learnable. It is a skill. It is learnable. That's great. Like when I saw that statistic come through, I was like, game on. This is awesome. Everybody believes it's a learnable skill. I'm a teacher. Let's go. But then when I asked in the second study, I was like, that's so fascinating. Okay, I'm going to do another study. And in this study, I'm going to say, well, if we believe it's learnable, are you organized? And when I say, are you organized, I'm going to divide it into four categories. Because to say, are you organized, everyone's going to say no, including me, because there's always something that's not yet organized. So what kind of buckets can we have that we would consider organized? So I said, are you organized in your storage spaces? 13% said yes. Are you organized in your family spaces, like anything on the first floor of a two-story home? 14% said yes. Are you personally organized, bedroom, bathroom, car? 15% said yes. I'm like, this is not good. Are you information management, paper organized? 18% said yes. This is where the problem is. Organization is a learnable skill. However, we have not learned it or we have not gotten to the point where we would say that we are organized. The Productive Home Solution gets you organized in all of these areas, but it is so complete that it is heavy and it is long and it is expensive. And for many of you, it's just too daunting. Like you're like, that's great that you've got a PhD level organizing program, Lisa, but like, I don't have the time, money, motivation to invest in that. Like, all right, I'll do the Sunday basket because you say the Sunday basket is first. I'm having success with the Sunday basket, but from the Sunday basket, you want me to jump in the middle of the deep end. I just can't do it. Like, I just, I'm I'm trying to find the Grinch t-shirt for next year and like, no, I cannot jump in the deep end with you. So I thought, okay, how could I, how could I give you a win in your home organizing like we give you a win in the Sunday basket. I mean, the Sunday basket works. We've got tens of thousands of people doing the Sunday basket. Even those of you that are starting your Sunday basket on your own, 
you're like, it works. Like the Sunday basket works and it works within six weeks. How could I do that and give you a win in six weeks? And so I've created two different jumpstart programs. In this one, I'm going to talk about personal organizing. And next week, I'm going to talk about family organizing. So what would what would make a marked improvement on your life if we could get you personally organized in six weeks? What would it cover? What would be in there? How would you feel at the end? As I've been doing these Swiss cheese organizing webinars in the uh, end of 2023, early 2024, I show how a completely disorganized house can be organized in one calendar year as long as you change the order in which you do your organization. And I always, always, always counsel you to start with your own personal organization. And of course, you're going to have the same resistance that I have even when I'm sharing this information with you, which is we can't put ourselves first. Like the whole house is a mess. Why in the world would I stop and make myself organized first? And here's why I counsel you to do your organization first. Number one, you're listening to the Organized 365 podcast. So you have some desire to get organized or you already are on your organization journey. So this is not the first time you've thought about getting organized. And if you feel like you are not very close to the end of being organized and you get great motivation and incentive from the podcast, and then you say, I'm going to take back this house and get organized, your family says, we've heard this before, and yet we're still disorganized. When you start on your personal organization, you don't have to tell anybody. I mean, you could tell people inside of the app, they'll be very excited for you and they will motivate you and encourage you. But as far as your family goes, don't tell them a thing because you've done that before. And then some of the motivation of surprising them with the organization that's going to come leaves. Like when it's a secret and you're working on it in secret, it's like, oh, I wonder when they're going to notice that I'm getting organized versus saying, I'm going to get organized. And then the dog throws up on the carpet and then you see the rest of the day is just downhill, right? So number one, it is private. Number two, you could take as long as you want. So the Jumpstart programs are designed to give you three weeks out of the Productive Home Solution and six weeks in which to do them in, just to give you some benchmarks of, you know, where you should be in your organizing. But if life gets in the way, you could take as long as you want, just like any other Organized 365 product. These are lifetime investments. Once you invest in one of the Jumpstarts, you'll be, you'll have that part of your dashboard open in that community uh, access to you. So you can take longer. If life gets in the way, you can take longer. But the goal is to really incentivize yourself to do this in a shorter amount of time and really focus in on one area to completion. And the third reason why these jump starts are going to be so effective for you is that when you start with personal organizing, no one is coming behind you and messing up your progress. Like when you organize your side of the closet or your closet, unless you've got a teenager that is the same gender as you, there's really no one coming in your space and messing it up. Where you get ready in the bathroom, your drawer, your makeup manager, there's really no one coming behind you and messing that up. Whereas if you started in the family room or the garage or something like that, yeah, those are communal spaces. You would expect to have family in those spaces. So this is why we're starting in your personal organizing. It's private. You can take as long as you want and no one is going to mess it up. So let me walk through what it looks like to become 
personally organized in your closet, bathroom, and bedroom. And the reason why we're focusing on these three spaces is because the done picture in your head will take a little bit of time to get to, but not forever, and is very clear. Like, what does it look like when a closet is done, when a bathroom is done, when a bedroom is done? Here are my high-level done expectations. Your closet is done when I can go in your closet and pick out anything in there for you to put on and you will put it on your body and walk out the front door with me. That is what a done closet looks like. Doesn't have to be rainbow ordered. You don't have to buy all new matching hangers. Although, I mean, you can do all of these things, but the actual being done of being organized is that everything left in that closet at this time fits you and you would wear. Now, I'm not going to make you wear a swimsuit when it's five degrees outside, but if it was, if we were going to go to an indoor pool and I grabbed it for a spa day, you would put that one on. You see what I'm saying? Like, and there's a reason why that is what done is. Done is everything in your closet you would put on if you had to leave the house in it. What does a done bathroom look like? A done bathroom looks like you have everything that you need for your morning routine and your evening routine in the bathroom. You have no extras like, oh, maybe I might use the someday things like samples. And for the things that you use regularly and could not go one day without, you have duplicates. So a done bathroom looks like you have everything you need for your morning and evening routine You have duplicates of everything you would have to use every single day, and you don't have a lot of extra things that you're not ready for. What does a done bedroom look like? A done bedroom looks like you're not living in your storage room. I only know because I did the same. You guys, we all do the same thing. It's not just you. That's what you need to realize. We're all living the same exact life. My bedroom, when I started, had gifts that I wanted to give, things that were supposed to go into storage, projects I was in process with, which I might not have touched for three to five years, but I was in process with them. Things that I didn't want my kids to have access to, like it was like I was a hamster living in a hamster cage. I don't want you to be living in a hamster cage. You can have as much stuff in your bedroom as you want. You can have things that are not bedroom related in your bedroom if you want, like I have a TV, things like that. However, whatever you have in your bedroom should be intentional. Okay, so now that we know what done looks like, let's go back. How do we do this in six weeks? So inside of the Productive Home Solution, we have seven closet lessons, we have seven bathroom lessons, and we have three or four bedroom lessons. Obviously, that's not six weeks worth of lessons. How many lessons you need in order to make the transformation are not equal. It is what you need to do in that space. So let's just take the closet. The closet has seven lessons. I'm going to give you two to three weeks to do your closet. You see how I'm saying it's not lesson per lesson? Like I don't have a lesson on shirts and then a lesson on sweatpants and then a lesson on jeans and then a lesson on socks. No, I have a lesson on tops. Well, what do you wear on your top? I don't wear camis. Maybe you have camis, sweaters, turtlenecks, getting rid of my turtlenecks because of menopause. It may take you five days just to get through all of your tops because the way in which we get organized that is sustainable and establish an organizing habit is to organize 15 minutes a day. In 15 minutes a day, you can go through most of your shoes. In 15 minutes a day, you can get through your sweatshirts. In 15 minutes a day, you can get through all of your socks and underwear. 
it might take you 30 minutes to get through all your pants because you need to try them all on. Now, if you have a huge closet and you have a whole bunch of clothes, it's been a long time since you have gone through your clothes, this may take you a month. It's not going to take you a year. There, there will be an end point. And what happens when you start organizing is, yes, set the timer for 15 minutes a day, which means actually doing, making decision, organizing, not getting ready, getting your coffee or, oh, I'm good. Like actually organizing. If you spend 15 minutes actually organizing, two things will happen. One, you'll make so much more progress than you thought you could in 15 minutes. And two, because you're successful, you will give yourself more minutes. You'll extend it to 20 minutes. You'll extend it to 30 minutes. 30 minutes is plenty long enough to get this job done because we're not going to put this in a magazine. We're not trying to rainbow order everything. The goal is that everything in your closet fits. And once you've gotten through every section and you know that everything fits, then with what is left, reorganize it and make it as pretty as you want to make it. So the goal, everything in your closet fits and you will wear it. How do we do that? Number two, we try everything on. Unless you just wore it this week or it's already in the laundry, you don't need to try those things on because you know that they fit. And number three, we do every area, one area at a time. Now, there are a couple of problems that you can run into in your closet that I personally ran into. And the problem I had was I didn't have enough clothing. The reason why my closet was disorganized and I didn't have, I couldn't wear everything that was in my closet was because we hadn't had money for seven years. Because we hadn't had money for seven years and the children were physically outgrowing their clothing, they got new clothing, but I did not get new clothing. And so the things in my closet did not fit. This took longer to solve this problem, but the way I solved this problem is I did declutter my closet. I decluttered about 30%. And I took it to a resale shop and I sold it. And then with the money that I got from that, I bought new clothes that actually fit my body from that resale shop. And I did that for 18 months until I actually had a closet that had about uh, 15 to 20 outfits that I could wear. But when I started, I had three. And I know I had three (laughs) because I had three. (laughs) If, If you only have you know, three tops and bottoms that fit, you know that you only have three tops and bottoms that fit. So what I ended up doing was wearing clothes that were ripped or stained or whatever. And when people would point it out to me, I would just be like, oh my gosh, that just happened. It did not just happen. But you could do that too. Get to what you have in your closet that fits, however you have to do it. If you're like, oh, but I am going to lose 30 pounds or whatever, fine, but you aren't by tomorrow. So put it in a bin and put it somewhere else, but it shouldn't be in your closet. Whatever is in your closet actually fits today because when we get to the end, you'll see why. Everything in your closet has to fit today. Okay. Also inside of the Jumpstart and also in the Productive Home Solution, in addition to the seven lessons where I tell you what to do each day, there are also a couple of videos of my going through my own closet at different points in the last seven or eight years. I've done it a couple of times. So you can watch how I've gone through my closet. All right, moving on to the bathroom. So our goal in the bathroom is that whatever you need for your morning and evening routine, you have, you have duplicates of the things that you use every single day, and you don't have any extra things. We don't want to have any extra samples. Now, maybe we don't get as many samples as we used to in 2019, like you would have samples all the time. But I do notice when I order from different companies, they will send me samples. I am so annoyed. (laughs) Like, why did you just send me this? 
you can donate your samples to food banks and homeless shelters. So that's a great, you know, gather them all up and donate them. That's a great place to donate them. They're always looking for things like that. You don't need samples. For the majority of us, we don't need samples. Now, every once in a while, like I'll give a lot of my beauty samples to my daughter. She's still in her exploratory phase. She's in her early 20s. Like she doesn't know what her favorites are yet. Like I know my favorites. I'm going to use an Olay moisturizer. I'm going to use a skin to mid shave gel. Like, and it's only this berry scent. Like I'm not even changing my scents. I've used the same razor for 10 years. I've used the same deodorant since I was 16. Like I'm just, I'm not changing these things. If you if if this is where you express yourself and you have every single makeup palette known to man, then you can keep everything. But for the majority of us, we just want to get ready and out the door. If you just want to get ready and out the door, you need to have less decisions that you're making in your bathroom. And yes, you can have like, this is my weekend makeup and this is my daytime or my weekday makeup. Like my husband loves to have new sense of body wash. He comes home from the store and he's like, guess what scent of body wash I got? I have had the same scent of body wash so long. It is now not even available. I had to get a new one. Greg's like, oh, you got a new one. I go, I know. It's the same exact manufacturer. They just changed it a little bit. He's like, ooh, Lisa, so, so spicy. <laughs> like, I know. I don't change my bathroom products. So if you are like me and you don't either, then as soon as the sample comes in, whatever box it just came in, put it in the donation pile or give it to a niece or a child or whoever wants to try the new things. We don't need samples of anything. When you're thinking in your bathroom, there are levels to which you can organize your bathroom. The first level, if you share a bathroom, is just your sink, under your sink, your drawers, your shelf in the linen closet, like any of the spaces that are just yours, organize those. If you want to do the whole bathroom, which is very doable, we're giving you one week for the bathroom, very doable, then clean out all of the drawers, under all of the sinks, all of the things inside of the linen closet. It's up to you. Whatever you can get done in one week, okay? Inside of the dashboard for Jumpstart, you're going to have the seven lessons for organizing the bathroom. You'll also see my organizing my bathroom, and I have in there... Um, my makeup routine. So I'm just putting my makeup on one day and I show you every single thing that I use and the container in which I organize it in. All right. The last two weeks of your six-week jumpstart is your bedroom. Now, you should be an expert at organizing your bedroom. You've had a bedroom since you were a baby, right? But yet most of us never really truly learned how to organize our bedroom. We learned that this is our one space that we could put our stuff that the family won't touch. That's what we learned. And that's why when you go into your bedroom, it looks like a hamster cage because these are the things that you want to make sure are yours and the family doesn't touch and you don't put them into the communal spaces. So you put them into your bedroom. You can have anything you want in your bedroom. If you have a condo or a house, you don't have to keep everything you want in your bedroom. Like if you're out of the childhood phase and it is your condo or your house, you don't have to keep everything in your bedroom anymore. You have storage spaces. You have communal spaces. You have these other spaces where things can go. In my bedroom, we have always had a TV. When I was 13 years old, I babysat until I earned enough money to have a TV in my bedroom. I've always had a TV in my bedroom. The largest TV in our entire house is in our bedroom. It's like an 80-inch TV. It's ridiculous. 
I had it for like one of the embrace conferences. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this comes home to our house. Oh, I guess I'll put it in our bedroom. It's in our bedroom. Greg and I watch TV in our bedroom every single day. And we love it. We love it. We've always loved it. We love it. You don't have to love it. You don't have to have one. But that is what we do. I bought a fake fireplace that is underneath our gigantic TV in our bedroom. We love it. We had it on the other night. We love it. This is something we just we just love. When my kids were little, I would watch TV when they went to bed and I would stay upstairs because they had anxiety. And if I went downstairs to do dishes or whatever, they wouldn't go to sleep. So I, by the time they were two and three years old, was upstairs with my children, you know, by seven or eight o'clock every night. And I've just kept that habit. Because of that, I, when my kids were little, had all of my scrapbooking supplies in my bedroom. I bought a piece of furniture where I could keep all of that in my bedroom because every night I would scrapbook. I put up a table and I would scrapbook while I watched my TV while my children were sleeping in the next room. And I loved it. So if you are going to do that, if you're the same, you're like, yeah, I do spend like five hours a day in my bedroom, buy a piece of furniture. You can go to a resale shop. You can go to a garage sale. You can repurpose it from somewhere else in your house that will house whatever that passion project is that you want to do while you're entertaining yourself in your bedroom. In the next season of life, I had my home office in my bedroom. I started Organize 365 in my bedroom. And for the first six years of Organize 365, it was in my bedroom. Six years, maybe more. Might've been seven or eight years it was in my bedroom. And it started with just a little, you know, two by four desk that I bought at a resale shop in the corner with a laptop. And it moved to an Ikea desk, the, the current Ikea desk that I have in my home office that was against the one wall underneath that TV that I told you about. <laughs> and then I had like banners that popped up. Like I did Zoom calls. I did everything in my bedroom. It eventually took over one and a half walls of the bedroom because the other two bedrooms had children in them. And so when Joey went to college, that's when I moved my bedroom into um, his office. So for a period of time, it was a bedroom. I have always had a bookshelf in my bedroom that has books on it. Uh, currently I have things to do. I do puzzles in my bedroom every night. So you can have anything you want in your bedroom. I just encourage you to think about why everything you have in your bedroom is in your bedroom. If it's not a project that you are currently doing, it should live somewhere else and you can go get it and bring it into your bedroom when you want to work on that project. Anything in your bedroom space should be active actively being worked on, used, should not be used for storage unless you're living in like a, a one bedroom apartment in New York and this is your storage. And if that's the case, then I want you to designate this one wall of your bedroom as the storage wall. Get bookshelves, organize it all, put a shower curtain in front of it so that it looks nicer, but that's actually your storage and it's actually in your bedroom. Be intentional. Everything that is not for your bedroom at this time should be somewhere else. I don't care if it's going to be stacked in the middle of the living room. Like it should be out of your bedroom. And that is what organized means. It means that only the things that you need are in that space in this time. And if there's somewhere else they can go, they need to go. And then the last part of that bedroom is to update your nightstand. I went from a nightstand that had one drawer and like an open space underneath it to a nightstand that had three solid drawers. So I had more storage space in my bedroom. So really being intentional with the space that you have. You may say, but Lisa, that's going to create a mess somewhere else in the house. 
You're right. But also remember, we're talking about jumpstart here. We're not talking about a beautiful, organized, magazine-worthy house because those don't exist and that you're going to junk up the rest of the house. No, we're talking about you need a place to start. You feel like every space in your house is disorganized. How do you get started? I want you to get started with you. I want you to organize your closet, your bathroom, and your bedroom. And I want you to move any of the chaos that is left into some other part of the house. I don't even care where it is. It could be the garage. It could be the storage area. It could be wherever, somewhere that is not these spaces. Here's why. I want you to understand what it feels like to be living an organized life. For those of you that have started the Sunday basket and you're like, I can't believe that this little box is going to do all of these things. Give me more mental capacity. Save me five hours every week. Like all these things that Lisa says that this little box is going to do. And then magically it does. Okay, well, how do we take that further? What does being organized in a portion of your house feel like? That's what I want to talk to you about. What it feels like is all of the sudden, you are not going to have negative self-talk in your closet, bathroom, and bedroom. What I mean by that is when you walk in your closet currently and you scan the contents, what you are scanning and then internalizing in your brain, or at least what I was internalizing in mine is like, Oh, I hope I could fit in that someday. Oh, yeah, that's right. I spilled spaghetti on that. Darn, that was like the only sweater I had that worked. Like, well, I guess I could wear those those jeans. Are, are these the jeans where the fly always falls down or was it those pair? I can't remember which pair it is. Oh, well, I'm going to try this one and I'm going to risk it for the day. And then you go into the bathroom like, oh, I, I meant to buy deodorant yesterday. I forgot to buy deodorant. Oh, what am I going to do? Maybe I, do I have time to pick it up on the way to work? No, no, I don't. Like, you know what I mean? You're just, you're just negatively talking to yourself while you're getting ready. Like, it's like you're beating yourself up. You don't even need any help. You'll just do it to yourself. But when you're organized, when you're organized and you've eliminated these things, organization feels like you get up in the morning, you get in the shower, you go in the closet. Maybe you've picked out the clothes the night before, but even if you haven't, you're like, oh, I think I'll wear these jeans today with that shirt. Okay. Go in, brush your teeth, put your deodorant on, whatever else you do in the, in the bathroom and you leave. You come back at the end of the night, you go in, you brush your teeth, you put your pajamas on, you get ready to get in your bed or hang out in your bedroom. You I turn on the TV, I do a puzzle, I go to bed. There is no negative self-talk in any of that. And because there's no negative self-talk and there are less decisions to be made because I don't run out of deodorant and I don't have to worry about which jeans have the fly that fall down when I'm actually walking or going on stage or something like that. What I end up doing is I wake up in the morning, I turn on the shower, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into the office, I'm going to record some podcasts today, I go into the closet, I get dressed, I put my makeup on, I'm rehearsing this podcast that I'm going to share with you, I leave, I go down, I get my coffee, I go to work. That mental rehearsing of the podcast I'm going to record for you today happens while I'm getting ready. So when I come in, I say hi to everybody at the office, I come into my office five minutes after getting here, I'm recording a podcast. Because I'm not saying, what was it I was going to do today? How am I going to start? Okay, what's that podcast going to be? Like, all that's already done. I'm moving forward faster. I have my decision-making capacity is for recording this podcast, not deciding what I'm going to wear today. 
I have more mental capacity at my discretion in the morning and in the evening to reflect on my day that allows me to go to bed calmer, with less stress, all of these things from being organized. So we surveyed uh, in our research, we surveyed how people feel when they're organized. Women and men both primarily feel accomplished. Like, can you imagine? Like, I'm badass. Like, <laughs> my bathroom, bedroom, and closet is all organized. Like, I'm so awesome. Like, I feel accomplished. For women, the secondary emotion that they feel is relieved. Like, oh, thank goodness, I'm going to go to work and my fly isn't going to fall down while I'm on stage because, I mean, I got rid of those pair of pants. Granted, I only have two that fit, but we'll, we'll solve that problem another day. Men have different secondary emotions. Their secondary emotions are feeling relaxed and in control. There are some other interesting statistics that came out of our research about how it feels to be organized. 85% of people reported that they feel empowered when their home is organized. Wouldn't you like to start your day getting all dressed and leaving your bedroom and feeling empowered? 86% said that they can better set and achieve goals when their home is organized. 83% said they feel that a person who keeps an organized home is successful, and 83% feel that an organized home is a sign of confidence. So feeling confident that you can set and achieve goals, that you're successful and empowered, isn't that how you want to start your day? And so I leave you with this. Personal organization is a you game. Doesn't matter who you're married to, how many people are in your house, how much money you have, none of, none of it, none of it matters. Your closet, your bedroom, your bathroom, you need to get your space organized first. And I say that when you do this, when you set this intention, which easily can be done in six weeks, you could do it in three, but it can easily be done in six weeks. You will start to live an organized life 50% of the time. Okay, fine. You're going to be asleep most of that time, but let's not worry about that part. You're going to end your day by washing your face, putting on your pajamas and going into an organized space, sleeping in an organized space, waking up, showering, getting ready and leaving that organized space. 50% of your time, you're going to be living an organized life. Hugely doable, hugely doable within six weeks. That is why we are starting this first Jumpstart program. So Jumpstart Your Personal Spaces are going to kick off around every six weeks. The first time we're going to kick one off is going to be the day after Valentine's Day. So we're going to start on February 15th. These will be rounds that start. You will only be able to join in at a certain time because inside of the community group, we're going to put in there what we would normally put in the Productive Home Solution when we're running through these spaces. You know, the co-working time that's been recorded with Tanya over in the Productive Home Solution we're going to drop that in the community group. The email video that I would send out if you were in the Productive Home Solution doing the whole 52-week cycle, we're going to drop that in the community round. When these groups start, everyone will join in the community group and we will run it for about six weeks. And then we'll have new cohorts jump in so that you feel like, and you will be, doing this with people. The 52-week program, the Productive Home Solution program, is awesome but we organize ourselves personally in September. And I think everyone should start by organizing themselves personally. So it doesn't matter when you start, 
you will start organizing yourself personally with everyone in this group. If you start on February 15th, you will be done. You will be personally organized by April 1st. How does that feel? Like starting giving yourself a gift for Valentine's Day for once. You're going to give yourself the gift of personal organization, being able to say that you are personally organized and you will go into the spring and summer months organized. All the details can be found over at organize365.com slash jumpstart. If you're like, this is it. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. I want to do this. What do I do in the meantime while I'm waiting for this round or the next subsequent round of the jumpstart to start? I think you should start a Sunday basket. All right. Next week, let's talk about what it means if you wanted to jumpstart in your family and communal spaces.